the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. There is no doubt an element of being at the right place at the right time is important with success or failure in life. I know that sounds a little bit pretentious. Maybe it is. What I want you to get out of this is something a little bit more of the right place at the right time. What's he mean to me? And I can tell you that for me, it meant when I was 18, I I decided I'm going to use Wall Street as my funding vehicle for retirement. It wasn't a bad time. I had the dot-com era coming, the first one, then with Yahoo's and companies like Google. The second round of the internet with the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Twitters, social media, so to speak. We've had cars go from combustion engines to electric vehicles. We've had a focus of pollute as much as you want to maybe this isn't the best idea for the environment, for the planet we're living on, the planet we need. I'm not a big environmentalist. I still do way too many single serving cans or bottles of way too much of my life. But I'm aware of the trend. But the idea of being in the right place at the right time is something I want to talk about for just a quick minute. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be negative. Work with me on this one, okay? Bonds versus stocks. I can't make a good case for bonds when the yield is so low. Because I compare investments to inflation and cash to inflation. I would much rather have money in the markets, in stocks, and I could find conservative ones or aggressive ones. But the bonds versus inflation return isn't good enough for me to justify the bonds overtaking the stocks return. In theory, I have enough money to live until the day I die, minus big ticket purchases and maybe health scares. I'll tell you what, if I need a new gaming machine to play video games on, easy. If I need cancer treatment to keep me alive for six more months, very difficult. And I'm going to fight for that cancer treatment much more expensive than, say, a video game computer. We're going to have priorities. Things are going to you know, whack us at funny times. But let's go back to what, what I'm saying is I was at the right place at the right time, but so are you. This is what you got to work with, so you got to work with it. And whether you're seeing Bitcoin, 
become an uh, alternative to the dollar. Whether you're seeing electric vehicles being bought versus combustion engines. In ninth grade for the science fair, I built a combustion engine. Um, I did not do it with a model kit. I did it by buying a, a, an engine and putting it together. Before it goes into a car, I went to a junkyard and bought a scrapped car that got crushed in a car accident, but the engine was intact, so I was able to, to replicate it. That was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, roughly, 35, okay? Let's make me a little bit younger sounding than the reality. That was a long time ago. And combustion engines have stuck around for a long time. We don't need them anymore. We can turn on the sunshine. We can charge our vehicles. Now, again, we can start getting into the, well, the materials that go into the engine and the batteries are so bad for the planet. We're actually hurting the planet by trying to save the planet. I get it. I'm just talking right place, right time, okay? Don't get mad at me on anything else. So to me, stocks are the better place to be. But in 2021, and I've, I've said this in 2020, in 2019, in 2018, in 2017, in 2016, can interest rates go lower? And the answer has always been yes. And interest rates went lower, bonds became a lot less attractive. Now that we've moved from the 60 basis points, 10-year treasury, as it starts moving higher, because all the monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus has created demand in good times and in bad times, there should be some underlying inflation, which obviously helps the plays on Bitcoin, but it also helps... Stocks, no, bonds. The higher the interest rates, the more attractive I'm going to become to bonds. When bonds yield half of 1% or 1% or 1.5%, I'm not that attracted to them. Sexually speaking, let's make a sexual metaphor out of bonds. I'm going to be very careful here. You don't have to believe me. But the 10-year treasury at 0.6 to 1.2, I'm like, that's anemic. Let me just reset and go back to 25 years ago, being at the right place at the right time. A mortgage was 12%. And through the years, it became 10%. And in my lifetime, it became 8%. And then 6%, 5%, 4%, 3%, 2.5% for a mortgage. And oddly enough, during that same 25-year period, with a year or two of unhappy, the prices on homes have marched higher. I'm willing to throw down $10 to year one. That if interest rates continue to move higher, if that trend persists and the 10-year treasury gets back to 3.5%, home values will be stagnant to sideways during that period of, of the March higher. Now, there will be some markets that have no supply and people will overbid for them. But the cheap cost of money has been the really attractive thing about mortgages. And at one point in time, Trump took it away from California and New York State Big old expensive mortgages were a tax deduction. And part of his tax plan was to take that away in some people's minds to punish California and New York, states that are blue. Because homes are so expensive in those states, the people who donate to the Democrats tend to live on the coast. Now, again, I, that's, that's getting kind of like painting everything with a, a single brush, and that's wrong. But let's talk about it. Let's focus again on wealth. And let's focus again on what I'm trying to get across this segment. When the 10-year treasury is under 3.5%, I buy stocks. Now, that was my statement 25 years ago. My statement 25 years ago was actually when 
the 10-year treasury is under 4% of buy stocks because inflation runs between 2 to 4%. If I can get inflation plus a little bit more with government security, I'm taking it. I'm not taking it. I'm, just, I'm saying I, in theory I should take it because I'm beating inflation. Historically, inflation's run 2 to 4%. So when I can get returns close to that, I'm going to take it. I'm going to put some money aside and say cash is trash. Cash loses every year to inflation. I keep as little cash on hand as possible because if inflation goes up 2%, my buying power just went down 2%. In theory, it's not quite that simple, but that's the idea. So the 10-year treasury is more important to me than almost anything. The 10-year treasury and the first uh, jobs report, the first Friday of every month, those are my two leading economic indicators of do I buy stocks or bonds? And trust me, I will buy bonds in retirement, especially if the 10-year treasury is at 35 4%, 5%. I'm buying nothing but bonds at 5%. Stocks can't compete with that without risk. And that's where you go, oh, stocks have some risk. And that's where you get rewarded for going with bonds or going with cash. Cash has no risk in theory. If it's in your home, maybe you can get robbed. If it's in a bank, maybe the bank can get you know shut down, but you're, you're insured up to $100,000 per account. Again, we've never really tested that system very much. So the run on banks protections should stay in place, but we don't want to be a banana republic where, oh, bank closed today, you lose all your money. We don't want to be that country. We want to have confidence in the banking system so they can go out and lend money and, and help keep society fruitful in productivity and help keep society fruitful in new research and development and help keep society fruitful with small restaurants that, how shall we say, have mom's ragu sauce versus Cheesecake Factory, which they put it in a jar, sell it on a supermarket that'll stay fresh for a year, quote unquote, stay fresh. You get where I'm trying to go with this. The concept that I want to get back to again is 25 years ago, I made a bold statement. If the 10-year treasury is between three and a half, four percent or lower, I'm buying stocks. So for 25 years, all I've done is buy stocks. I have not bought one single bond in 25 years for myself. And yet I want to, it's just the conditions aren't right. So I was at the right place at the right time to let it ride on stocks versus bonds. Not great financial advice, especially for wealthy people who don't need the risk. And when I say the word need the risk, you don't need stupid risk ever, but you do need to expose yourself to capital growth and capitalism within reason, within comfort levels. I literally have enough to live comfortably until the day I die. And I could do things like buy a new car, get a roof on my house, uh, give money to my children, give money to charities, take a lower paying job as maybe an investment consultant to a church where instead of earning cash, maybe I'll earn good faith and good points to get into heaven or whatever you believe in. You get the idea. I'm in a good position because I put my faith in the idea and the concept. Two simple concepts have held true. Well, I'll even throw in a third one. I understand growth stocks really well, I think, until I don't, knock on wood, right? The 10-year treasury and the jobs report. Those are the three things I care the most about. And I could probably factor in another 15, 16, 17. You can too. Um, you can't throw, I don't believe in owning more than 20 individual names. Warren Buffett taught me 
treat investing as if you have a punch card that says 20 on it. Treat it with respect. Don't buy silly and frivolous things. I've bought silly and frivolous, so my punch card's probably at 60, but currently it's under 20. And I hope it'll always stay under 20. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black talking, focusing on wealth. Wealth to me is a term that means something along the lines of having enough money to live until the day you die and not have to compromise too much. I understand that as I get older, I'm going to have to compromise my joints. Grew up playing soccer and running 10Ks, and that's a bad combination as you get older. Too many times you stopped a little too quickly on your knees, and a little micro-fissure tear starts to add up. When you're young, you play right through it. When you're older, you're like, oh. So anyway, the goal here is to have enough money that you can age gracefully. On the money side of the fence, not stress too much. One of the things I like to do is emails. You can email me, rob at robblackshow.com. Another thing that I like to do on this show is talk about gurus. And what are they saying and what should we believe in them and or not? Of course, I like talking a lot of tech trends. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Domo. Domo. You get the idea. Um, Tech trends, there's about 15 of them. Not tech trends, trends. There's about 15 that we're all paying attention to, whether we know it or not. I'll hit some of those today. But first, let's start off with a little bit of thoughts or reactions to some of the thoughts that gurus make out there. Susie Orman is one guru Buddha that I don't really like. And in a continuing series, I debunk or I just talk about a lot of things she's talking about. Now, one of the reasons I don't really like her is most of the information that she says is conventional wisdom and or wackadoodle. When I say wackadoodle, it sounds like financial advice to you. But to me, it sounds like a sales pitch because I know where she's coming from. She sells a lot of things like credit repair kits and insurance. So to me, I see her as a QVC employee more so than I see her as a CNBC expert. I know you're saying that's harsh. A little bit of truth. So I've gone through this list a few times, but let's go through it a couple more times to get through the end of it, shall we? And then down the road, I'll talk about Jim Cramer. I'll talk about anyone you want me to. One particular favorite that I like to debunk and tell you that he's really not all that he says he is is Robert Kiyosaki. But that's for future episodes for sure. A um, couple things. Let's fly through the ones we've covered before. Um, don't buy a home too quickly. Basically, the idea there is that when you're young, you should enjoy and embrace the idea of moving around. And it costs a lot of money to buy a home. The costs to buy a home. Now, again, if you have the perfect rental that you're going to use as a home for three years, that's fine. Just it adds a little bit of debt and risk to your portfolio. Don't lease a car. I think that's too much of a wide statement. I think during the pandemic years, leasing a car suddenly became a lot more intelligent. 
for instance, I have a truck that had 65,000 miles on it at the start of the pandemic. And by the end of the year, 12 months later, it only had maybe 67,000. That would have been a perfect time to lease because my payment would have been cut into a third. But with that said, it's a blank statement. Don't co-sign a loan. Just know that when you sign a loan, that the person who you're giving the car to or the home to, maybe it's your kids, maybe you're buying them a car, helping buy them a car, you're, you're liable if they, they skip out. And eventually someone will. And that's a family member. So be cautious. I get it. Don't take Social Security too soon. A lot of people think it's free money. It's actually something you work for. And you get an X return at 62. You get a bigger return at 65. You get an even bigger return at 67. You get an even bigger return at 70. It's your money. It's not the government's money. It's yours. And depending on how long you're going to live, it might be a good idea to hold off. Don't sell stocks when markets are bad. I say don't buy a stock unless it's for retirement. Otherwise, to me, that's a long-term investment idea. It doesn't always have to work out there, but it's a good place to start mentally. Now, if you want to do some trades here and there, that's fine. Just don't confuse what an investment is versus what a trade is. Okay? I've got shares of Apple, for instance, that I will unwind when I'm retired or slowly before I'm retired if it's too much. And it's kind of sad for me to think that I'm going to have to sell. But the goal was to buy it, to create wealth, to let it go over time. Don't let holiday spending get out of control. Obvious. We tend to get caught up in the moment of buying people gifts. Don't keep kids in the dark about credit. Show them how a credit card works or an ATM works. I'm not a big fan of ATM cards because if you drop it on the ground and someone grabs it, they can clear your bank account. You drop a credit card on the ground and someone grabs it, they can clear 50 bucks from you. And that's it. Don't let fear stop you from getting rich. Eh, that's one I just don't like. I'm not going to talk about that one, but she can have that one. Don't let vacation time go unused. You've earned that time. Enjoy it. You're not working till the day you die. You're working so that you can retire with class. Don't ever take out a payday loan. Payday loans and cash advances on credit cards are very expensive to get your own money. You're talking 15, 20, 25, 30%. Too much. Unless you're getting a 30% raise. True emergency only. And I, I've never read into that true emergency. Uh, be careful working with anyone who's not a certified financial planner. Certified financial planner is the only designation that I've run across that's considered a fiduciary. They work in your best interests. It's not always going to be that means they're perfect, but it's a good place to start. Don't borrow from your 401k. This is a Susie Orman statement that I agree with. Interesting on the list, list of 35 things, I agree with most of them. I just don't like the way she says it. Or I don't like that it's too basic of knowledge. 401k loan is better than withdrawing money from your account, but you're going to get a 10% penalty if you're younger than 59 and a half if you don't bring it back to even on the loan. Plus, the loans typically come with lower interest rate than a traditional loan. Very positive. I get it. But if you take money out and then you see, for instance, what was 2000? 2000 was a year where the NASDAQ returned 40%. So let's say you have a lot of NASDAQ stocks, things like Facebook, things like Amazon, things like Apple, and you're like, I'm going to take $50,000 to buy a home. And then the market goes up 40%. Eh, 
those key companies that you have go up 100% had you waited one year. And again, you don't want to play a game of wait, but you also don't want to think of a retirement account as a piggy bank account to use on a home. Try to separate them if you can. Time out of the market is painful. Don't let debt linger. That's probably one of my biggest pet peeves on people is they, they get into a cycle of debt. I got into one in my early 20s, college years. And it just it just added up. 2000 became four, four became 10, 10 became 20. And yeah, I, I eventually paid it down, but it, my early parts of my 20s were, were paying down debt, stupid debt, credit card debt. I put you know books at the bookstore. You know, a college book is like $100 for a physics book. <laughs> well, if you put on a credit card, you don't pay it back over three years. It's like $200. Don't spend to impress other people. I have one purchase in my life that I look at as egregiously stupid. I'm sure there's hundreds of micro ones, but the big one, egregiously stupid. We all have them. Try to cut down on them. Try not to impress the neighbor bill. In the end, he's not going to be impressed. He's going to move away. You're not going to remember him. Don't say it's impossible to save. That's a big one. I built saving into my budget. I built saving into my lifestyle. I can't imagine a day of not maxing out my 401k or putting some money away into acorns or putting a little bit of money away into an investment angle for my children. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. New Focus on Wealth with Rob Black. I'm Rob Black. One of the things I try to do that you don't see a lot of is look for worst case scenarios. I get a lot of emails through the years. Many of them say similar things like, thank you so much for staying optimistic. Thank you for getting me in the market. I've turned a 401k into 300,000. I've got 20 years left. What should I do now? It's interesting. I'm very grateful. The feedback is usually pretty positive. On occasion, there is a psychodoodle person out there. If I say something like, there's a trend in e-commerce and FedEx and UPS will benefit, he hears you should buy FedEx and UPS. I hear that e-commerce has 15 different players. And you can start at the top of the food chain with Amazon and get to the bottom of it with the delivery companies. And people like PayPal and Venmo benefit in the middle and how you pay online. Credit card companies potentially are benefactors. You get the idea. I'm not perfect in an interpretation. I don't say you should use this show as a map to wealth. I think this is more, it teaches you what the map might look like to you. What the legend might be on your financial map. But one area that I look for trouble is because when it comes, I want to say it. When you have a 10-year up bull market, there's a odd start to increase that you're going to have one incredibly bad down period where a lot of people cash in. It turns in from 5% to 10, 10 to 15, 15 to 20, 25 to 30, because for the previous 10 years, everyone made money. 
That's called expecting a correction. I don't talk a lot about it. I don't see the odds as very high at this point in time. Continues to build and the pressure on the market continues to build to get it right. So far, we seem to be getting it right. Whatever form of capitalism we're using is rewarding the stock market. And by capitalism, I mean low interest rates and monetary supply. Fiscal and monetary stimulus are critical drivers of this market right now. But one area that kind of showed up on the map in 2020, 2021 is a couple companies talked about a chip shortage. Qualcomm brought it up. The first hints of a chip shortage, not like chip and salsa, not like uh -uh, semiconductor. The worlds were the world's were in havoc. They were in throes of pandemics in 2020, 2021. It obliterated demand. And at the same time, we started thinking, okay, how do we rebuild this infrastructure? How do we rebuild the supply chain? We saw the most serious shortage in years of semiconductors that lie at the heart of everything from smartphones to cars and TVs. Ford in 2021 said, we're going to have to ratchet back sales of the F-150 truck because we can't get enough semiconductors to put into it. You should not take that lightly. And to, to play further wax on, Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle. It's all that in a bucket of chicken. If Ford earns money, it's through the Ford F-150. It's not their financing, it's not their four-door sedans, it's through their trucks. And to say, whoops, we have a shortage? What happened? That's unacceptable, or is it? Auto and electronic makers have cut back drastically in what would re be referred to as the ramp back up to normalcy. Qualcomm was the poster child saying, look, we had as great of a quarter as we could have had, and had we had more supply, we would have sold even more. You've heard companies like Apple, the first 100 days of them ramping up, and how many reorders do they get and not get? Consumes a lot of semiconductors, and getting this order right is super important for all players. North American plants on making vehicles, car makers, have struggled with a big drop in output due to waiting for semiconductors, 5G ready, smartphones, semiconductors to connect your car, to get the GPS working completely with the whole thing. Chip shortages are expected to wipe out $60 billion of sales in 2021 just for the automakers. Let me repeat that again. For 2021, chip shortages are expected to wipe out $60 billion in sales because there's no inventory available. Which instantly puts in my head, okay, so anyone who has a car now will probably be getting used car parts or car parts to keep that car on the road longer if there's a shortage of vehicles. So there's some winners inside this losing story of $60 billion. Qualcomm said some of their high-end iPhones had a shortage in components in 2021. Companies like 
NXP Semiconductors and Infineon Technologies, whose roles near the top of supply chain grant visibility over global chip supply. They're two of the guys I watch. I shouldn't say guys because that may be a confusing term. They're two of the players in the semiconductor industry that I watch to see how things flow. You saw Sony and Microsoft Xbox have massive shortages. And you may go, ah, that's just the big media companies playing the consumer with the new PlayStation 5, making it look like it's super hot demand. The Sony PlayStation 5 and the Microsoft Xbox Series X didn't sell as many units, consoles, as there was demand. And if you're cynical, you're going to say, that's just the media companies, Microsoft and Sony, playing us. The reality as a business person, they're leaving sales on the table. But they're also ramping up. It takes, when did we first hear about the Sony PlayStation 5? When did we hear first hear about the Xbox Series X? 18 months, like it was easily 2019. And then during the year of the pandemic, we started seeing like, oh, they're not going to do a live show in Vegas to show us the new games. They're going to do it online. It was still there, but it was announced 2019 what the hardware specs are going to look like. So how did these two companies with such a long runway blow it, make a mistake of not having enough consoles ready on launch? Semiconductor shortages. If they could sell every, if they could sell twice what they did, they would have. They're not holding back supply to create artificial demand. They're not. If you could find uh, NVIDIA 3080 video card in the first half of 2021, you're a lucky man. Because the company said there's going to be massive shortages of this video graphics card. AMD makes a similar one that they're not going to be able to fix that supply constraint until the middle of 2021. Again, the actual dates aren't important. What's important is that you keep an eye out for the worst case scenarios. And for the auto industries to lose 60 billion in sales, that's a big one. I'm not panicky, but it's one thing that I've put together that's not ideal. I'm Rob Black, talking about creating wealth. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. Talk about focusing on wealth to get you to that place of retirement where you can live till the day you die without a job. Where there's enough of the Social Security kitty help you with your Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal, whatever healthcare benefit you're going to have to pay for from age 60 to 100. It's not free. And in theory, you don't have a job from 60 to 100. And Social Security is going to maybe cover that part of it, the healthcare, and nothing else. Everyone who's listening this year should go to ssa.gov. Sign up for an online account if you're comfortable with that kind of thing and figure out what you're going to get in retirement. Spend a little bit of time. They used to mail it out every year to your Social Security benefits. Now I believe it comes in the mail every five years, and I love it. I get to see how much money I made as a 16-year-old kid. And I get to see my whole lifetime of earnings 
and I, it's better than I thought it would have been in hindsight. Not bragging. But it also tells me exactly how much I'm going to get when I turn 62, how much I'm going to get when I turn 65, how much I'm going to get when I turn 70. There's a couple halves in there that are legal requirements, and it gets complicated. I saw my in-laws recently, and with all due respect, and I know that they don't listen, they're financially not very savvy. They don't read anything that they sign anymore because they don't have the eyeballs to. Um, so they're taking word of mouth on any transaction they sign. If they buy a new car, it could be like, you agree to, by signing here, you agree to take this car for one day and turn it back to, like, they have no clue. So I got to thinking a little bit while doing today's show on things that I can help you with in the future. And one of the things I want to come up with is a, a, a bold face. Here are the 20 things Rob Black looks for to say that he's going to be staying in the market. We just talked about a couple of them. Low tenure treasury. One I haven't mentioned in a while, uh, the employment first Friday of every month. I want to see unemployment and employment numbers somewhere in that 4 to 6% of Americans not having jobs. 4% it creates a little bit of inflation where your neighbor who is dumb as a sack of rocks can get a job making more money than you. And you're like, how did that loser do that? At 4%, everyone should be getting wage inflation. At 6%, not so much. Those are the competitive boundaries. And I don't know if you want to compare it to a weight class in boxing. I don't know if you want to compare it to the NFL standards for quarterback. You want a quarterback rating in these? I, I don't know. I can tell you another thing that I would add to my list of things that I want to pay attention to is the price of oil. Somewhere between 40 and 60. 40 is too low. I don't like it. 60 starting to become a tax on, on me. But then again, if it's a year where we're not driving much, I don't really care about oil prices. But when we're driving to and from work and we're stuck in traffic and we're like bitching and moaning about life, yeah, that's a big tax. When you're sitting there idling on the highway, watching gas go up in the air, getting you nowhere, you're not even getting closer to your destination. You're just evaporating the stuff. That's not good. So I like lists. And I want you to use lists as an ability to say, I get what they're thinking or I don't get it. It'll just be a little practice for your brain, financial practice. Some of the big trends in the year 2020, 2021, 2000, some of these have been long-term trends. Some of them have been short-term trends. E-commerce, who are the players? I have a list. Amazon, Shopify, Walmart, Costco and freight forwarding kind of stocks. Are there other players? Yes. Do I need a list of other players to succeed? No. I could use that list. If I want to be exotic and sexy, I could I could expand the list. Just to give you a funny idea, when you do a radio show, sometimes you're you're searching for words. And the word erotic may come in just as fast as the word exotic when you're trying to come up with a concept of a little strangeness added to a stock portfolio. <laughs> and let's say there's a big difference between erotic and exotic. How about travel and leisure as a sector? I don't think travel and leisure is a great sector every year, but after a pandemic, it makes a lot of sense to think about. Digitization, more and more going online in the clouds, more and more going digital. Who are the players there? Cars are becoming much more digital. 
AMD and NVIDIA. Cybersecurity. How many of us have, ha have been hacked? Probably don't know. In a previous life, it wasn't a previous life, but at an earlier stage in my life, I dated someone who was involved in cybersecurity at Visa. She says, give me your credit card. I'll tell you how many times it's been hacked. I'm like, I'm not giving you my credit card number. That sounds like something you should be doing at work. And let's just say I, I didn't budge. But we've been hacked, all of us. Cybersecurity shouldn't go away, and it's not going away. Our idea of passwords. Do you know at one job, I hated getting emails so much that I set up my password to be password one, exclamation point, that I changed it to password two, exclamation Password three. I hated the mail system that much. I'm kind of a, a free bird. <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't really like corporate emails, but I'm giving you too much information about how strange I can be. Government stimulus. Anytime there, there's a recession, a lot of times when a president takes over office, let's spend money. Let's get the people to love me. When we send them a check, they'll go spend it on the economy at Walmart or Target or Home Depot, or Lowe's, or Dollar Tree, or Dollar General. Anytime the government sends out checks, those are the companies that, that directly benefit, in my mind. So it may not be in my playbook for 2025, but if 2026 needs a fiscal stimulus from the government, I'm going to that list. I like lists. I used to love Dave Letterman back when he was funny on NBC. Never liked him at CBS. But one of the things he did was a top 10 list. It was an, an architecture of, for success in my mind of humor. So you should have lists. I believe in lists. It'll make you an architect for success in consistency. I've never been to China, but I can tell you the names that benefit from China in my mind. Boeing, Caterpillar, MasterCard, Visa. Those are my starters. I can get to Apple, but those are my starters. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, consultant, worker advisor, for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. Find me online at robblackshow.com.